Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think the fitness industry is quite toxic and it is full of lies. And what people post online is not what's going on behind closed doors. I cannot sit there and lie. And I know how much better and more fulfilled my life's been since I've stopped doing that. So my mum and dad split up because my dad is a drug addict and their relationship just got really bad. A big part of me not enjoying my work was because of my eating disorder. I was so hungry, I couldn't sleep. I was literally working 16 hours a day in a PT studio, sleeping in my car. I know that I've come over such a huge battle with food and lifestyle that my whole life has completely changed. So I worked the whole of lockdown for free. I still don't have any subscribers on my app, still spent all the money with nothing. People didn't understand how I was not working for free anymore and I did get quite a lot of bad hate from it. So today I'm with Courtney Black, the live workout queen from lockdown, when none of us were going to work out and we got up, we did our workouts. So many people I know followed Courtney Black's live workouts and I think her story is just one of such true entrepreneurship. Everything we've talked about is just like textbook, unreal entrepreneur. And I was really excited to kind of go into her story further and find out where it all came from, where her motivation originally was from. She started as a kind of PT after moving away from being in an accounting job and clearly has such an inherent entrepreneurship in her blood because the way that she has thought about every single decision she's made, the way she's taken risks, all of it, I think is so impressive. And she's so open and honest. She recorded a great episode with me and it was just so good to just have a great chat. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and as always, have a fantastic day. Courtney Black is the 26-year-old entrepreneur, two-time Sunday best-selling author and founder of the Courtney Black app, who transformed her personal training career into a multi-million pound business during the global pandemic. Having suffered through a vicious cycle of under-eating and restricted dieting, Courtney had stopped going out with friends, avoided certain foods, over-exercised and religiously weighed herself. This obsession led to her training to become a PT. And after working all hours of the day to build a strong client base, she grew a cult-like following on Instagram, launching bootcamp sessions up and down the country for additional exposure. After spending just £700 on creating her ebooks, her profits totaled to just over £300,000, and Courtney decided to refocus her time and money into developing the Courtney Black app. And then the pandemic struck. Courtney's app launched just one week before the UK lockdown and contained not a single home workout. Thankfully, Courtney pivoted. She began posting at-home workouts for free on Instagram, and after offering daily live sessions for her followers, she went viral. Courtney's story is one of true entrepreneurship. She has not only overcome personal obstacles, but has showcased the innovative and rare ability to be able to pivot in, quite literally, a pandemic. I'm so excited to delve into her story even further. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Excited? I'm very excited. For context, we met... It was in, um, it was for Protein House. Interesting. Not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know Maybe. the, you know the, um, yeah, the, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Her name was Carly and she put it on. 
That's so interesting. Yeah, well, I remember I definitely like scraped my way in an invite into that. <laughs> For people who maybe don't know you, don't mm -hmm. know your amazing work, could you just give us like a summary of your whole career? How you started, where, how you got to where you are now, just a few bullet points. Sure, so I was very academic at school, maths wise, and all I wanted to do when I was in school was work in a bank and totter around hills. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to do. Same. All I wanted to do. Little mm -hmm. did I know that I would now be totter around in trainers every day, but that's all I wanted to do. So I actually went to my sixth form, I got into every single private and like academic sixth form, and I ended up going to like the local college because all my friends went there. And obviously, lo and behold, I dropped out after a year because I absolutely hated it there. Mm. Everyone was just going crazy partying. It was just not for me at all. And then I ended up doing an apprenticeship in accounting. And I'd done about four or five apprenticeships working for, not even joking, two, three hundred pounds a month. And that had to cover my travel as well. And I just ended up hating it. Um, I ended up working for the company that you're in the building for and doing their accounts. And again, absolutely hated it. Was so obsessed with fitness at this point and mm. just knew that, that was taking over my life. I would literally go to the gym in the morning before work on my lunch break. Obviously I had an eating disorder at this time, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. But I was getting so wrapped up in that, mm. that I thought this this could be something, this could be some sort of career going here. And I knew that I hated accounting. So it's just crazy that my whole life, all I wanted to do was work in a bank or work in accounts or work as a broker. And I ended up absolutely hating it. And then I found my passion, which was fitness. And I turned something into, yeah, my career, which now I obviously absolutely love. Which has been absolutely amazing to watch, um, especially as someone who kind of, you know, met you a long time ago. Um, so this idea of accounting was an office job and tottering around in heels and all of that. Was that like success for you in your mind? Probably, yeah. Probably actually, yeah. Because I think I was brought up looking at people that worked in like JP Morgan or Canary mm. Wolf. And I had this obsession with Canary Wolf. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I, I loved Canary Wolf, and all I wanted to do was work at Canary Wolf. So I would try to find jobs in Canary Wolf. <laughs> Unfortunately, I ended up working in Oval, so it's not quite the same as Canary Wolf. And it was no dress code, so there was no heels involved there at all. Yeah. But I don't know, yeah, I just think, I looked at people that worked in banks or in brokerages and like working as accountants and working in finance. So I thought, wow, they've made it. Mm. Little did I know that these people were literally working for pennies. Like I was mm. working for pennies and people that was in the same job as me, that was like maybe 30 or 40 years older than me, was pretty much working for the same sort of rate, but was expected to literally give their whole life to that mm. job, meant to come in to work, work through their lunch breaks. All they thought about was working out the accounts and the minutes for this role. Mm. But they absolutely hated it as well. Like, I don't think I worked with one person that liked their job. Really? That's no. so interesting. And what 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 did your parents do? What, what, like, was your upbringing in terms of kind of the, the jobs that you saw? Right, so I don't actually talk to my dad. Okay. Um, so my dad was a bit naughty. Mm -hmm. So he done things that we didn't really agree with. And my dad's a massive drug addict. So right. my mum and dad split up because my, my dad is a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And their relationship just got really bad. Um, not he wasn't physical or he wasn't abusive, but he would literally just... He made her so unhappy. And it wasn't a relationship to be had. Like he mm. would... I mean, there were stories of him like being downstairs and there was drugs in the house when the kids was around and stuff like that. I was never aware of it at all, which obviously being a 13 year old, you never would. Mm. But I haven't actually spoke to my dad since mum and dad split up when they was 13. He still talks to my sister, mm. which I personally find a bit bizarre. Mm. But so yeah, I have no relationship with my dad. And then my mum used to work, so she was self-employed. So she would 
be such a hands-on mum. So she dropped me to school, she took me back to school, which is probably why I actually done really well in school because my sister was not good in school at all. Mm. But my sister didn't want to be dropped here and there. She wanted to do her own thing. And I think she took like sort of my dad's, was under my dad's wing a little mm. bit more, even though she was still with my mum all the time. My mum used to make sort of furnishings and so she was very creative. So she used to make curtains and blinds. So she'd have like a table up in her bedroom, mm. sewing it all together. And then she'd go and like fit it. But now she works for a company called Plums. So she just goes around consulting for them. Oh, so nice. yeah, no one's ever really been in the city or no one's ever really been academic. Yeah. So I don't really know where this drive to be in the city come from for me. I think I just, I just like the idea of it. And I think it's, I don't know um, about you, but kind of for me, it wasn't that when I had this idea of like success in like some floor to ceiling window office, like mm. Canary Wharf type, type vibes and all of that. I think it wasn't necessarily that, you know, cause my parents weren't doing that. Yeah. It was more, I think Films. very much like, oh, yeah, literally like me watching suits and being like, yeah, yeah, I, can wear, yeah like, I can wear a pencil dress. I'm a mover of Meghan Markle. I, I always find that interesting because it wasn't that anyone had showed me like, it had just been like, well, that looks very put together and that mm. looks like just so glamorous. That's, and it, that's what I think it was with me. Yeah. I think I loved that whole element of being put together, glamorous, like always looking your best, doing a job that you was like around like fit men all the time and <laughs> it's just little dog, I was around it? old men I was literally around old men the whole time old 60 70 year old accountants like that literally hated me because I was so young <laughs> and, and how long did it take you to work out that actually that dream wasn't what you thought it was oh probably within the first two months of working in an accountant I really? literally just thought what am I doing here like literally what am I doing here I'm going out I'm getting the same lunch every day I'm avoiding Christmas parties I'm avoiding obviously I think a big part of me not enjoying my work was because of my eating disorder of course so I would avoid any single gathering I would avoid lunchtime meetings I would even avoid going to the kitchen when there was like birthdays and stuff so everything was very negative for me in mm. work I mean I hated people around me because I had no energy to talk mm. to them and they probably then found I was rude I then avoided everything that was fun about work, even like after work drinks. I would never go. To, I mean, I worked in the city for like three, four years and I never once went out to like Broadgate or Liverpool Street. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, and I just think that's why I hated it so much. And then fitness was my escape. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And your kind of the beginning of your fitness journey, which you've said has kind of kind of started with this vicious cycle of undereating, mm. restrictive eating. Um you talked about how you kind of stopped yourself from going out for food and eating certain foods, kind of mm. over-exercising all of this. I listened to something where it said that on a kind of, on a holiday to Turkey, you let your ex go to breakfast and kind oh, of like yeah. meal times without you um, and got up at 4.45 to do yeah. workouts. And it was just this really all-encompassing mm. I mean, at the time, I thought he was just the most evil person in the world. Mm. And I just thought, why is he so against me doing this he just wanted to spend time with me that was all mm. and I didn't understand the love behind it I just thought you're 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 evil you're horrible like you're stopping me from doing this you're moaning at me all the time and it was the same as I would go to family gatherings and people would moan at me for not eating and I'd be like why are you moaning at me so I yeah. just wouldn't go in the end and I remember being on that holiday with him and I could not sleep because I had not eaten and where I was so hungry I couldn't sleep I then was thinking about the gym as soon as I woke up and I was thinking, but what if he doesn't want to train? I'm then not going to be able to train. And little did he know as well, at breakfast, I wasn't really eating anything at breakfast. So I was 
probably picking around things, probably eating, getting boiled eggs and just eating the egg whites. And then he would look at me and think I was a nutter. Mm. So I wanted to eat breakfast on my own. I didn't want him to be around when I was sneaking off to the bathroom and chewing and spitting out my food and stuff like that. And I just, the best way to do this was to segregate myself. Mm. So I would wake up, I would train in case he didn't want to. I would eat breakfast and I'd come back and he would just be so confused as to why I've done it. And little did he know that all this was going on in the back of my mind. But behind closed doors, when people have eating disorders, there's so much going through someone's head. And I remember going on a cruise. This was one of my most vivid memories. Going on a cruise with my stepdad, my nan, and my mum. And I did not go to dinner once. Really? Not once on that cruise. I didn't go off the ship once. Literally, I stayed on the ship. I was known as the girl running on the treadmill to Victoria's Secret catwalks. And I remember being in that gym for hours and hours, running on the treadmill. I'd go to breakfast and lunch with them because at breakfast it was always food that hadn't been cooked in oil, food that hadn't been cooked here. So I knew exactly what I was putting on my plate. I could have the boiled eggs and I could have like a bit of oats and nothing else. At lunch, it would be the same. It would be like a buffet style, so I could have salads. But at dinner, I did not want to go out and be around three course meals where my mum would be getting dessert and I'd have a bit or where I'd come back. And then this whole restriction cycle led to my chewing and spitting, which got so intense, like so intense. If you don't mind me asking, how did that start? Was it kind of when you got into your fitness journey? Yeah, so I had my eating disorder right, right from the start. Mm -hmm. So I used to be a Bourbon Latin dancer. Mm -hmm. And I was very small then, but I wasn't mm -hmm. as slim as I was. Mm -hmm. But I think the whole thing of trying to fit into the Latin dresses, trying to be smaller than the other girls, trying to be smaller than your partner, mm -hmm. that's where that probably come from. And I actually see a therapist and she said to me, do you think anything to do with your dad might have triggered this? And... I've never thought of it that way, mm. and I still don't think of it that way, but it happened around the same sort of time. So I would like to, in the future, like deep delve into that a bit more. I maybe want to speak to like an eating disorder specialist, not because of anything else, but because to help other people, I'd like yeah. to know, like maybe that was a trigger. Because I always just blame it on the fact that I looked at the models in the magazines and I looked at all the media around me and I compared myself to that. But I think sometimes there is underlying triggers as well that come mm. from that. And I think my dad always used to overfeed us with sweet sugar, chocolate, sweets. That was his form of love, mm. was buying us cloves and also like giving us sweets and chocolates when my mum said no. So was I then holding myself back from that? Mm. Because you never know. Yeah. But I just know that when I started my, my, my PT qualification, the reason I'd done that in the first place wasn't to be a PT. It was simply to just know how to be skinnier. That's so, that's so interesting. I know that mm. so many people who have weirdly gone through the same journey yeah. at kind of the beginning of their fitness journeys. And I think what's particularly interesting with you is that that was the motivation to get into what is now your job, mm. which you've been able to turn into something so incredible from a point that I'm sure was so, so difficult. Mm. I find it really, really interesting that that kind of came from that point and you've been able to make it, you know, your whole life in a way that is clearly so, so helpful to other people. Mm. If you kind of looked back at, at that person of like who you kind of were then, what would what do you think you would think of kind of your career now? I wouldn't believe it because mm. I actually think I would probably look, if I was in that, my shoes now, I was, I was just about to say this to you, I would probably think that I, would, I was lying because I personally think, I don't know about you, I think the fitness industry is quite toxic mm -hmm. and it is full of lies. Mm. And what people post online is not what's going on behind closed doors. We've all seen it. We've seen influencers behind closed doors. We've seen fitness trainers and they're not doing what they're saying they're doing and all they're talking about is their food and their diet and they're prepping for weeks and weeks they're filming all their content and they're coming back personally 
And eating disorder never goes away, I don't mm. think. I can admit that sometimes I have negative thoughts and it never goes away. And I don't care what anyone says, if you say you're completely healed from it, that's not the truth. But I am so good now at getting rid of that negative thought within seconds. And I could never be that imposter. Mm. I literally sometimes get on my get on my camera and I think, I can't sit here and tell all these people to come back from holiday and not worrying about what you're like what you've done on holiday and then do it myself because I cannot sit there and lie. And I know how much better and more fulfilled my life's been since I've stopped doing that. Mm. But I think the industry is full of so many people that say one thing and do another thing. And that is when it's just not genuine. And for me, like, even if I lost all my followers tomorrow, I know that I've come over such a huge mental battle. I've come over such a huge battle with food and lifestyle that my whole life has completely changed. Mm. And if I get one thing out of it, that's what I want to get out of it. Yeah. And at what point did you start to kind of, did the tide kind of turn in the way that you were thinking about food and thinking about fitness and starting that recovery? I don't think there is a point there. Mm. And for people that said there's one thing, I don't think there is. Mm. It was years and years of slip ups. It was years, I mean, I used to be the worst personal trainer in the world. I've said this before actually on my Instagram, but I remember once a girl come in to me maybe five years ago and I made her cry. And I actually made one of my clients cry. And I remember that day so vividly because I was still really suffering with my problems mm. of eating. And she come in and she said to me, I just, I ate this and I ate this and I don't know, I can't stop doing it. And I literally just went to her, well, you're just being greedy. And I just remember saying it and then she started crying. But I couldn't understand how someone else could be going through such a complete different journey to me. I don't I don't really speak about this very much, but my sister was a size 24. Mm. So my sister had the reverse to me and she come to us maybe a year and a half ago and said, Court, like, I feel like I can talk to you about this, but I've got an eating disorder in the opposite that you have. She was like, I cannot stop eating. She was like, I've tried laxatives. I've tried making myself sick. She's like, I then just go and eat more. And she was getting bigger and bigger, but we was never able to understand it. And I think evolving through life, I could sit down with her and I could have such an honest conversation with her. And I feel like you learn so much on your journey. But back in the day, like all I had was this one headspace. So for me, like the learning and meeting new people, learning about myself, learning how much more happier I would be eating and enjoying life. And also learning that what I've been told for so many years isn't the truth. Mm. You don't need to starve yourself. You don't need to overtrain. And actually putting it into practice and seeing it working, was what made me then get over it, I think. Actually learning from my mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you start to see fitness as this kind of positive? Because I feel like a lot of people I know who have suffered with eating disorders, because it's been such a negative, mm. they've had such a neg negative relationship mean, with yeah. them, either the gym or with food or whatever, it's kind of just completely move out of that zone. When did you start to see it as a more positive thing rather than like a negative in the gym kind of needing to needing to change you and instead actually just being part of your life. I completely understand what you mean when people then move completely away from the fitness industry, but there's a reason people train. Mm -hmm. There's a reason people be happy and healthy because it makes you wake up in the morning and you're way more positive, you're more productive, you have more energy, you live longer, your heart health's better. And I think it's so important to not forget that. Mm. And training isn't waking up and just going to a weight session if you don't enjoy weights. Mm. There's so many forms of fitness and I think people forget that because they've been so strong into, oh, I need to do cardio and then go back and do weights. Well, why don't you stop doing that and do some boxing? Mm -hmm. Release the anger. Why don't you do go do some dancing? Any form of movement's good, but yeah. moving your body makes you so much more productive. As a businesswoman, I'm sure you know that. If you don't train for weeks and weeks, you don't have that same motivation. You don't have that same productivity. You need to move your body. You need to eat healthy. It's what it's what's keeps us alive. It keeps, keeps our brains going. So I think for me, I remember 
every day how that made me feel. And I never wanted to lose that part of myself and that mm. part of my life because I knew how important it was. It's just making it more of a positive and making it something that I enjoyed rather than something that I didn't want to do every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you need to be really, you've clearly been so kind of self-aware in that journey mm. to be able to understand that actually this can still be part of my life, but mm. I'm going to treat it in X, Y, and Z way instead. Um, and yeah, I will, will say that I very much agree with you on that point. Mine's less so that um, I need to train kind of every day it's more that I or you know like kind of that consistently it's more whenever there's something that's consistently like wrong or I feel consistently kind of low or unproductive or any of these things it's always 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 I realize I haven't trained for a few days Mm. which I think is really interesting because my body it still all of these years I've trained for years and years and I still never put two and two together until I'll have that session oh. I'll have that gym session I'll be like oh okay go. cool back. Back. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens every single time and I think it's so interesting I think it's really powerful that you've been able to turn that into a such a good thing when I can imagine that sometimes it could be really triggering mm. um and just knowing that actually you and your body you you know everyone will be so different and you and your body like you do need that and that mm. is a great kind of outlet for you but being able to do that in a more positive way yeah yeah exactly so you became a PT mm-hmm. um you started kind of PTing how did you get from there to where you are now so as we all know there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many clients that you can have as well and there's only so many people's lives that you can get involved in every single day mm. being a PT is quite draining because you're going to give 100% to someone sometimes they come in in floods of tears and you need to take them out for a coffee and I'm an energy absorber so I would literally come home sometimes either really drained or really happy mm. and I didn't really want to be around that every single day I loved my clients but I was literally working 16 hours a day in a PT studio sleeping in my car and do I want to be doing that when I'm 40 years old even when I'm 30 years old I mean, I don't want to be sleeping in my car for 30 pounds an hour because I was training, I was working in Essex and I just thought, what am I doing? I need to, I remember with my boyfriend at the time and I said to him, I'm going to make one of these guides. And I remember I actually met one of the girls that worked with me with Women's Best. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And she's like, yeah, just do it. I remember I literally made the first guide with a tripod and a three second countdown timer. So I'd stand at the top and I'd start, squat at the top, squat at the bottom and I'd squat at the top again in this gym with my phone. And then I wrote every single page of this book. I wrote all the plans in it, and then I sent it off to an editor. And I mean, I've never really spoke about money on this. On the first guide, I earned 150K, and it cost me 300 quid. Yeah. And it literally took me maybe a month mm. to put it put it together, make sure it was all good. And the transformations that come off the back of this was just, I could never have, I never thought this was ever gonna happen. Mm. I mean, I was working my ass off on Instagram for years, posting videos, posting transformations, posting my clients. So I built myself up to, I think I had about, 200,000 followers at this point. And then I started writing these guides and I wrote five of these guides. And the people that was messaging me saying my life's been changed, it was just a generic eight-week guide. And I'd done six of them. And then I was just thinking, again, scalability, like how many of these guides can I do? There's only so many eight-week guides that I could do. People are going to get bored. I want to help people on a bigger level. I want there to be videos on there. I want there to be transformations. I want there to be weight loss, weight gain, people to help people eat and just help people that are pregnant. So then I decided I was going to build this app and I put all of my savings into building this app, every single penny that I'd earned from these guides and from PT into this app. And it took maybe, I think it was 18 months mm. to build. I found an app developer, 
got the best team together. I did not cut back on costs. I yeah. when I'm saying to you, I spent every penny. I didn't have a penny to my name. Mm. And then I launched the app May the twelfth, I think it was. And then lockdown happened two weeks later. And I remember having my app launch party, and everyone was there like, "Woo, having this, having the most matters." Obviously, this thing in the background. I'm thinking, nothing's going to happen with it. Yeah, it's just a virus. There was not a single home workout on this app. And I'd literally spent my savings putting this app together, telling people to download it. It was doing amazing, fantastic. And there was not a home workout on there. And I'd never done a home workout in my life. I don't know if you'd ever done one before lockdown. I, I did because I actually weirdly started my fitness journey doing home workouts. Oh, really? Just because I was like 16 and I don't think you were even allowed in the gym or I definitely couldn't get a membership. I had a treble so, in, my, in my room. So really? <laughs> yeah. That was I was that. just doing burpees. Yeah, I had a little box room with a treble when it fallen into the wardrobe. But I'd never done a home workout before. And I literally hated hate the idea of it because I didn't really like hit training. I didn't mm. really like bodyweight training. I thought I just need to go and do loads of squats. And I did actually really even enjoy the workouts I was doing mm. in the gym because I found them very boring. Same old plan. I was actually going to do a bikini competition before the lockdown. So I was videoing myself every day in these bloody hills. Yeah. And I had a plan by that like, this guy, Tom, and I was going to do WBFF, which was so random. But obviously that lasted about three weeks. And I'd never done a home workout before in my life. And I panicked. I literally just panicked. Not only is that going to fail, I'm going to fail because I'm not going to be able to train. I'm not going to be motivated to train. And that is my whole, like, that's my passion. Mm. Like, what am I going to do? We don't know how long we're going to be in this lockdown for. Even if we was in it for a week, it was like the worst thing in the world for me. Mm. So that's when I started doing the live workouts. And I think I was like one of the first people to start doing the live workouts. Mm. And I remember thinking, I'm going to look like a donut, but I've just got to do this because I'm not going to train otherwise unless yeah. people are watching me. I'm a bit of a performer. And I thought, if I'm doing it on a camera, there's no way that I'm not going to try. Accountability, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling these people, like a quarter of a million people. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, come with me every day, 9am, we're going to train together. And I think on the first one, I've probably got like 1,000 people on it, which is still quite a lot. Yeah. And then within like three to four weeks, I had like 30,000 people doing my doing my workouts with me and it was just crazy i remember it was it's actually quite pathetic when i think about it but every night i wrote down how many followers i had on my oh. but i was gaining like six thousand a night yeah it was crazy so i'd wake up in the morning i'd be like oh my god like yeah. how many people are gonna log on to my workout today i better put a big good playlist together i'd have to do my hair and my little buns I thought, there's no way these people are seeing me in a bad outfit <laughs> i'd put my outfit together but anyway going back to the app so even, even then i was working for free so I worked the whole of lockdown for free. I still didn't have any subscribers on my app. Mm. Still spent all the money with nothing. And then I said to my PA at the time, who was also my best friend, I said, I'm going to have to get these people over because yeah. I'm not earning any money here. And the, how I done that was I said, there's going to be no more free workouts. And if you want to continue doing these live workouts with me, you've got to join me on the app. And I would do them at 9am, film them, and then I would put them on the app straight away. So how I tra- moved it over... First of all, I turned off the 24-hour thing. So, you know, when you could post a live for 24 hours. Yeah. So I stopped doing that and I just done it live. And then I said, if you want to catch it later, you have to go onto the app. And then I said, all it's going to do is be on the app. 
it's gonna I'm gonna post the day before, you get it at midnight and that's it. And then everyone moved over. Having the negativity from that was quite hard at purpose. I can imagine. People didn't understand how I was not working for free anymore and I did get quite a lot of bad hate from it. But the amount of positivity that come from it, people that had like cancer, people that was literally like had just lost family members because of COVID and they're telling me like it's completely changed their life. Yeah. I've got one girl that trains me, she's got one arm and every day she shows up and she's doing like press ups and she's doing burpees and stuff and it's just it's mental. I know people that try to kill themselves during lockdown and then they've come to me and they've said, literally you got me through a dark time. So having that scalability and being able to go from helping the people on the the guides to at one point the app having like 100,000 subscribers mm. was just like crazy. And I just feel like that was my mission is to help people on a bigger scale. Were you worried at that point where you kind of thought... I'm going to have to turn off this live workout thing and put it onto the app. Were you mm. worried? Because it's such a saturated market as mm. well. Were you worried at any point that people would just be like, oh, I'll just find something on, on YouTube or whatever exactly. instead? 100%. But at the same time, I had to, I can't, you can't, you can't mm. do it for free. And in life, you have to take risks. Absolutely. You have to. What? So of course I could have carried on doing the free workouts every day and I could have got to 3 million followers. I don't really care how many followers I've got. Mm. I care about the people that follow me that buy my products, buy into me, love me. I love them. I have a relationship with them. I don't want ghost followers that just look on my page and like my picture. I want people that I can interact with, that I can meet, that are gonna come to boot camps that I'm gonna do. What's the point in having 3 million followers when you don't have anyone that loves what you do? We don't have anyone that believes in what you do and you don't believe in them because if someone follows you and it's for just the free workouts and they're, they're just coming on every day just to use your service, but they don't want to invest in you, they don't want to meet you, they don't actually believe in you, then what's the point? Mm. Literally, what's the point? You might as well be going to the gym and training on your own. Yeah, and how, how have you seen that kind of develop since then? Because obviously we've changed, the world has changed so much since we were in mid-lockdown. There was definitely some some spikes. I mean, we would have, you know, from similar, similar products, we would have mm. seen kind of very similar spikes and all of these things. How have you coped with that change since then and what have been the main changes? I mean, at first... Do you know what? I've actually coped with it quite well. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I've, of course, lost a lot of subscribers, mm. naturally. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, that just comes with age and acceptance, right? Yeah. You can't... I can't, I'm not going to throw my toys out the pram and go, why have I done this? What can I do to beat them? Because I'm not going to do something that I don't believe in. Mm. I'm not going to change my app to be suited to more people. I'm not going to change it to be more of a less aggressive workout. We are known for hard workouts. Mm. I'm not going to change that just so more people subscribe. Yeah. I want to, of course, scale the app even further out. We haven't even touched any countries except from the UK. I was talking to someone in press the other day and I've not had a single bit of press for the app. Mm. Like there's not, it's just literally been organic. So now of course, it's hitting other markets and hitting other like ways to get more subscribers, not changing who we are as people and not changing what we believe in and not changing what I've built and the community because that to me is the most important thing. So I'm not going to change the app into something that I don't want it to be, mm. but I need to focus on getting different PR companies in there, getting it into America, getting it into Australia, for example. It is just the UK at the minute. I mean, there's a couple of people dotted here and there, but again, we just need to upscale. So what is, what is the next big goal with that? I think we just need to keep working. We're, we're literally always employing new people. Mm -hmm. We've gone from a team of me and my best friend all just sitting in my in my kitchen. Within the last year, there's like 12 of us. We're getting in-house developers, which is a big, scary hire. I mean, it's one of the scariest hires ever because they earn 
money. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> they earn money. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, we better hope we're getting more subscribers yeah. because otherwise we're not going to be able to pay these people and mm. not gonna, they're not going to be able to afford their weekly bread. But um, it's just, it's stress. It's stressful. I think I need to start realising that I maybe need to take a step down from certain things. I'm mm-hmm. very creative. But am I the best CEO? Probably not. Um, realising that in life you're not going to be great at everything and that other people are way more wise than me. I've made so many mistakes. Mm. I'm 25 years old. I don't know much about business and mm. I'm learning everything on the job. And I'm just becoming such a bigger entrepreneur as I'm getting older. But, I mean, we all have mess-ups, right? Mm. And I think learning from them mess-ups and not trying to be someone else. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've had loads of people on here that are so successful and stuff like that. I could listen to podcasts. I could look at you. I mean, you've done so amazingly well. And I could try to copy things that you're doing, but what's the point? Because that's never going to... It's never going to be me. What I think is really interesting is from like talking to you, you've talked about pivoting, scalability. You've talked about all of these different things that are, you've talked about how you are limited to kind of what exactly you're doing, all of these things. Every single part of your story, whether people want to look at online influencers, any, any way they want to look at them, is such a story of entrepreneurship. Mm. I wonder, do you think people take you seriously as a businesswoman? Oh, good question. And no, probably not, actually, because I'm quite ditzy. I'm in your face. I'm loud. I'm a performer. Um, I'm common as monk. <laughs> so at first, no. But then I think they get talking to me and then they realise that I am. But I think I do get judged quite a lot to start off with, 100%. I'm fine with that, to be honest with you. I quite enjoy that because I like proving people wrong. Yeah. But yeah, at first, no, probably not. Because I think I think through talking to you, it is so clear that you are such a businesswoman. Mm. I want you to like know how everything you've said, that's not obvious. Yeah. Like it's not, I think the way you talk about it, you talk about it like, oh, of course this is obvious. Like, of course I'm only limited to my time and so I do this, that and the other. Like you are clearly so talented mm. at what you're doing. And I think that we as a like society, especially when looking at women who Mm. look a certain way who act a certain way Mm. who will be fun and share personal life and all of these things we don't look at them in the same way as we look Mm. at a male entrepreneur 100% and I wanted to see I find it interesting whether you think that people see you as a businesswoman Mm. in the way that you so clearly are yeah and I think as well a lot of the time even if people do see you as that they try make out they don't Mm. and that for me is like I meet people and I'm like why are you acting a certain way around me Mm. And I don't know about you, but is your office quite female or is it mixed? Uh, we are 80-something percent female. I've found that I've employed people over time and a lot of the men that I've employed don't look at me as a boss. And that's quite upsetting to see, but I find some of the times there's quite difficult conversations to be had. With women as well in, that are older than me, I do find they look down on me quite a lot. But... Growing into a businesswoman and having our own business and employing people, I do think sometimes that I am judged. And that's fine, but I think it's then just the awkward conversations Mm. that need to be had within the office that I don't like. Building a team with the right types of people, um, creating a culture as well. I think that, you know, definitely in the early days of when I was doing what I was doing, I was creating a culture that would probably try and stick me in position as a leader 
in areas that I don't think I should have been a leader. And that was entirely yeah, based out of kind of insecurity of myself and actually yeah. thinking, oh, well, I need to prove myself in X, Y, and Z. And actually I would have been better just being like you. The reason I hired you is you're really, really good at this. You know, you won't need to motivate the right people. Yeah. Um, and creating a team of getting like the right people on the bus. Yeah. Um, and then choosing the kind of direction you're going, I think mm. is so, so important because there should be no circumstance where um, you're not your authority because it's not about telling people what to do but you've, you've you've done what you've done and I think that very much speaks for itself um, and I think it's such a I find it really interesting speaking mm. to young female entrepreneurs who haven't necessarily had a journey that we see as inherently like it's not wearing suits it's mm. not you know it might you know it still comes with posting in a bikini online it might you know like any of these things mm. that take away from our view of what we feel comfortable with an entrepreneur being and I just I just wanted to say because I think that you're you're if you had a checklist of everything that would um make an entrepreneur taking risks pivoting like all of these things I just I think you'd fulfill all of them and I'm flattered hope you know that um, <laughs> but so going back to the kind of idea of lockdown and everything yeah. I think that you kind of had this quote unquote overnight success it, you... it's just something that needed to happen yeah and it was hard handling it as well mm. I mean I know a lot of people think oh god you were so lucky I literally used to cry in my flat numerous times a week because I was so overwhelmed mm. and the pressure I just felt I mean I was up some mornings till six in the morning writing like postage bags out so I could send people t-shirts I sent out like 5,000 t-shirts in lockdown and the amount of work I was doing, it wasn't just that live workout in the morning, which mm. everyone sees as. It was crazy. I'd literally be on my phone all day replying to people. And yeah, it wasn't an overnight success. I'm happy for people to think that mm. because I mean, I still worked really fucking hard in lockdown. Yeah. Like it was not just that hour in the morning, as I've just said, like it was seven in the morning till nine, 10 p.m. at night. I didn't, obviously no one could see their families, but remember you're working and I didn't have a single single like release so sometimes you have that release to get away from work I didn't have that because you wasn't allowed to and but I just think that's come from years and years as you say of me grafting mm. I mean I'm 25 lockdown was what three years ago um and before that I was a trainer for four or five years mm. so I, I don't know what I was doing in them four or five years before that if it was such an overnight success and I'm not the best trainer in the world I'm not the best personal trainer I'm not the best I mean, personally doing squats or whatever, but I turned all that that workout on every day. I showed up mm. and I'd done what I've been doing for five years before that. I showed up to every single session. I would never cancel a PT client. I would never cancel a boot camp that I used to do. I used to drive from Essex to Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield, all in one weekend. I remember once I was even falling asleep at the wheel and I went to take over to do these boot camps of like 30, 40 girls in a boot camp. I used to lug all my like resistance bands up there. I used to take my mum with me everywhere I went. Mm. I even used to get the plane to Scotland. I used to go to Plymouth and I built that community up and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So that's probably how I did handle the lockdown success is I've been doing it for so many years. And before it kind of had that big point that it really, really mm. took off, was there ever a point within those years and years of graft? I know you've said that you so also found that. Up. Yeah, was there a point that you thought, yeah. just pack it all in? Yeah, and just before, it was actually just before the app, because I thought I was just, it was dead. I was falling out of love with one-to-one PTA, and as I said, I was taking out everyone's energy. I wasn't getting anywhere with Instagram, and all I was doing was posting pictures of my ass. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, everyone could see that. 
And that's why my Instagram went from here to here. It's because I wasn't being myself. Mm-hmm. I was literally changing everything about myself. I'd walk out the door and be so petrified in case I see anyone that followed me because I wasn't the person that was online. If you looked at the videos I was talking to, I completely lost my personality. I was just, I was, a, I was soulless. Mm. And it just, it's really weird because it all happened in like one sort of going. I started not posting so many pictures. I started just relaxing with myself. I dissolved all my fillers. I started eating better. I stopped putting so much pressure on my body. I'd done less hours PT in. And I feel like I just got a lot happier. And then lockdown happened. Mm. And I felt confident to turn on the camera because four months before that, there was no way I could have put that camera on. No way. And how did you decide rather than, for rather than, you know, for example, like going back to accounting or something, how did you decide to put it into the app instead and to decide to really still push on? I don't really know. <laughs> just did it. I knew I hated accounting. Mm-hmm. At one point, I even thought I was going to be a makeup artist. Really? <laughs> I love doing makeup. And I thought, well, if this fails, I'm just going to go do makeup because mm. I think I would be a really good makeup artist. I do my makeup really well. I love makeup. Mm. Probably would have hated that as well. But I had this passion for fitness. And I knew that fitness was always going to be with me. So I just, I don't know. I had this idea about this app for years. And I thought, why am I sleeping on an idea that I've had for years that, mm. I, could, that I can afford to put together? And I think anything with a subscription base is quite a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, relying on subscribers rather than relying on face-to-face clients mm-hmm. is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So I kind of believed in that idea quite a lot. I mean, how many apps have you got on your phone? How many people do people have apps on their phone they use daily? And technology is just evolving all the time. Mm. So I really wanted to stick to that idea. And I didn't want to just give up. I'm not a quitter. Mm. Um, so I think that's where that come from. And my love for fitness as well, back to it. Mm. I still think it's such a it's such a brave move as well to yeah, kind is, of yeah. put everything you have it into is, yeah. something. And I think that that, I mean, that's obviously very much kind of like the essence of entrepreneurship. Maybe it's because it come out of nowhere though. Mm. Those plans, like I never expected them to do that. Mm. And where I've never been, I've never grown up with money. Like none of my family ever had money. So I wasn't really scared of losing anything because I didn't really have anything to lose. I mm. mean, what did I have to lose? That money I'd earned within like a year and a half, two years of my hard work. And I knew that I wasn't going to go anywhere further with it. So what, am I just going to sit there now and go back to my 6am to 9pm clients? Mm. Or am I going to make like take a chance? Mm. So I didn't have any family to rely on. I didn't have anything else going for me. And I just thought, all right, so I can even plod along or I can actually invest my money and give it a go. So I think that's why I've done that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how has it been running the app since then? Stressful. <laughs> I I actually started, as I mentioned earlier, I started having a therapist mm-hmm. because at one point, I think it was last, just before last summer, mm-hmm. I was I had my first ever panic attack. I was getting really overwhelmed. And I remember sitting in my office because I was in my house at the time and I was so overwhelmed. And I literally had my first ever panic attack. I was sitting on the floor and I could not breathe. And I rang my mum about two hours later and I said, I need to get a therapist. And she went, what? She was so, she was so scared. Yeah. And I was like, no, mum, it's, it's a normal thing. I think like loads of people were having it at mm. the minute. That night, I went through loads of different people. I had a phone call with someone at 10 o'clock at night and the next day I had a therapy session with her. I was quite lucky because I actually got on with a woman because sometimes you just go for a few. And I had her for just over a year. And even reading books and stuff like that really helped me managing the app. Because I've read books like How to Win Friends and Influence People with the most mm. cliche books, but it really helped me with like dealing with people's personalities. Because as a boss, I could be quite snappy and quite flippant 
And I used to think I was right in every situation. Mm. And you can't be like that when you're a boss. No. You need to be respectful about other people. You need to be able to see how other people are thinking. And my best friend was my PA. And I didn't ever want to upset my best friend. And I think this is why I evolved so much as a businesswoman and as a boss. Because I would see her coming in and I'd want to understand how she's thinking. And now whenever someone's in a situation, you have to think about how they're thinking as well. Even down to your clients. Mm. How they're thinking, how they're feeling. And I think running a business like an app where there's so many clients on there, you have to be so considerate. So I think dealing with a big scale operation like that, it is so important to see where people are coming from. Yeah, what I find really interesting, um, even kind of when you say that, is the fact that, you know, your business is online. You're going to receive a lot of feedback, good Mm. or bad, kind of all the time. And I heard you say um, on another podcast I listened to with you on that you kind of, you said, I used to ask things like, did you like this workout? And then get pissed off when people say no. I I thought this was such a good point and such a, actually, when you think about it more, the kind of idea behind how you build a business yeah. that can be the best business it can be, which a lot of the time is online at the moment, yeah. and also how to protect your mental health and how to create yeah. these boundaries around yourself, especially online, where you are able to still live your life while kind of mm. having um, while having this input and while selling you know, a product to someone. It doesn't mean that you need to sell your mm. soul um, or kind of sell your mental health. Do you think you found that balance between yeah. that? And the sell your soul thing is literally a conversation I actually have with my therapist. And she was like, Courtney, when this business is done, mm. are you going to look back and say, you've lived your life? Where's Courtney in this? Where You're mentioning all these people. You're mentioning your clients. You're mentioning your staff. Where's Courtney? Mm. So you're not putting yourself first. You're going on holiday and you're pre-recording like two workouts a day before you go. And then you're asking people if they enjoy it and you're getting pissed off because they didn't like it as much as you did. Yeah. Not everyone's going to like what you do, but not everyone's also doing everything that you do all the time. There was like, you are a human being and to work at your fullest, you also need to think about your own mental health and you need to be able to show up in 10 years time. If you burn yourself out so quickly, don't give yourself any holidays working till literally 10 p.m. every night, doing three, four workouts a day because you want to go to Mykonos for five days. And it's just, how much is too much? Like, how far are you going to go for this job? And I think that was one thing that I used to worry so much about what people thought about me and what people thought about, because I think I'm so passionate about what I do, right? Mm. So if someone said something bad about it, even down to the fact of, caught me done that squat wrong, I'd be like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd come up from the gym, I'd stomp up to, to Alex and Georgia, I'd go, how dare they say they didn't like Warrior Wednesday? And they're like, cool, like, we didn't like it either. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How can you say that? And they're like, Courtney, not everyone's going to like it. Mm. You've gone into a, a music theatre before. Of, like, like, Drake could be playing. Like, I didn't like that song you done. Yeah. Do you think Drake cares what I think? It's, it's also, it's never, uh, I think one of the most important things is that, you know, when you're running a business online, it is this new type of business where you have this instant feedback mm. loop. And it is so easy to... People don't think. But also it's just like that in the same way as you saying that you would go to a concert and maybe say like, oh, I didn't like that Drake thing. That is nothing on nothing on Drake. Nothing on Drake. It's also yeah. nothing on you. There is no fault in this whole situation. Yeah. But that being said, there's still there's still hurt on the side of, you know, I think there's a this what we're not necessarily prepared for um, is this whole new style of business where mm. it's not just your business and your income and all of the money you've invested into mm. all of this. It's also your your kind of pride and your well being mm. and everything when some well, you know when you've spent hours working on something and someone's like oh don't like this exactly and I've literally been sitting there writing this work up since five a.m. and then mm. I go on there and they're like that was terrible I'm like 
really? Because mm. I didn't sleep last night thinking about this. And so how have you managed to kind of detach yourself from that more so you're still really interested in how you can serve your community best mm. but also very wary of the fact that you can't hold that load all on your own and it's also not yours to hold listening to people more mm. and realizing that they're not wrong when they say that mm. that is their opinion and i can't change their opinion and that's fine if everyone always judged my opinion i would be very annoyed mm. so listening to that but not taking it in if i can change it and if i want to change it then i will but you don't have to please everyone all the time. And I think that's very healthy because if someone turned up every day and they was like, I love what she does, I love what she does, I love what she does, it wouldn't really be healthy to have everyone so obsessed with you all the time. Sometimes it's okay for people not to like things about you and that's just what makes you a human being, right? I want to be genuine, I want to be authentic. And the way that I open myself up on my Instagram, on my social media and even on my app, I'm opening myself up to criticism mm. because I don't want to be a perfect version of myself. If I do something wrong mid-workout or if I say something wrong on Instagram, I kind of just want to leave it there. And by doing that, I am opening myself up to negative comments. I would also say that you want people to engage. And by that, I yeah. don't mean you want, you know, engagement, all of that. It's if someone's saying, hey, I didn't enjoy that workout so much. It's they have engaged in that mm. workout enough to be able to give you an opinion on it. Mm. And that is something so valuable. Yeah. Companies would kill, more traditional companies mm. would kill for that type of feedback and would kill for that. But when it's so, when it's so directly related to you and your almost like self-worth because it's you who poured your life and soul into something, I do think it's really hard. And I do think that we'll start to see um, more and more people who've kind of had these online businesses that, you know, as soon as it becomes something that's monetized, it's completely different standards. Yeah. If it wasn't, of course, people are paying for something. It's, you know, it's really important. But actually being able to detach that from yourself and from your self-worth, like if I release something in a color that someone doesn't like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter for either of us, yeah. you know, all of these things. And I think that's such a such a steep learning curve, especially with having any businesses online. So kind of with that in mind, what are your future goals? Where do you want to go? What's the what's the big goal? What's the end goal? Funny we were just saying about that because I think a lot of my scrutiny comes from it's it's under my name. Mm. So my app is called my name, mm -hmm. which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I don't really care for it to be under my name. So a massive rebrand is coming mm -hmm. next year. Hopefully. Very clever Takes idea. a long time. Yeah, because the people that was with me in lockdown, they're going to be with me for a long time. But bloody hell, like how many, I don't care. I've got five other trainers on there that are brilliant trainers. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be called my name anymore. It's more than me. It's a overall health hub. It's not just me coming online and training people. I've got five trainers. I've got nutritionists. I've got the most incredible recipes. It's more than me. It's quite, it's quite weird. It's called my name, I think, personally. So I want that to completely transform. And I want it to be the top health and fitness app. I don't just want it to be you come online, you do real-time workouts. I want it to help people in so many different ways. Mm. Obviously, I've got two other brands that are literally, I'm pulling my hair out over, but they're brand new brands and I can, I, can, I, I know you can obviously relate to it. New brands are stressful, mm -hmm. but doing something, again, they're passion projects and something that I love. And I think just not trying to add anything else yeah. to, to my agenda right now. Yeah. Relaxing, sticking to this, building my team, building a nice, healthy relationship at work and not stressing myself out to do anything more. No more books, no more doing anything that's crazy or going to take over my life. No more brands. I've got three brands now that I really am completely 100% dedicated to and I'm passionate about. I think anything else, it's, I don't want to take on opportunities, ads and stuff that I don't believe in that I used to do years ago. Yeah. And I've not done that for years now. So for me, just sticking to things that I'm truly passionate about and that's where my motivation comes from. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thank You've you. Been so fantastic. I honestly, I just appreciate the honesty so much. And yeah. I think that you're such a, you're such an open person. And I, I think that people can kind of tell that online. And I, 
Yeah, I, hope so. I think it's just incredibly impressive, everything you've done. Oh, thank you so much.